who's going first. Uh, you know that we have been camped on this uh, verse for a few weeks because in the, the New King James Version, it says that our words are really to impart grace to the hearers. And we're in the big picture. We're in this series on grace. And at the beginning of the year, uh, we looked at the God of all grace. That God is a God of grace in his, in his being, His essence. He is a God of grace, kindness, mercy. Everything flows out of His grace, right? And then we understood what it means for us to receive that grace. Unmerited favor, right? Unmerited favor in salvation, right? God demonstrates His love while we were yet sinners. Christ did what? Died for us, right? Grace. We're saved by grace through faith. So we understood for many weeks, we looked at kind of grace vertically, God's grace towards us, God's grace in who he is. And then we shifted this way. Well, what does that mean to, to be ambassadors or ministers of grace this way? And we've been talking about, and specifically through Ephesians 4.29, imparting grace through our words. Grace through our words. And uh, I love that video because many of you have shared with me how the last few Sundays have been transformative in your conversation. Some of you are talking less than you used to. Some of you are, are asking yourselves questions. If you look on the front of your sermon notes, right? Those questions that I gave you at the beginning uh, when we first looked at Ephesians 4.29, you're asking those evaluating my words, are my words corrupt, right? Do my words build up or tear down? Are my words necessary? Do my words impart grace to those who are listening? If someone was listening to my conversation, could they tell I spoke with the same accent as Jesus, right? And we, we saw that Jesus came to earth full of grace and truth. So if you want to call it his accent, his accent was grace and truth. So if someone was eavesdropping on your language throughout the day at work, at home, on the bike path, wherever you might happen to be, does your accent... Reflect Jesus' accent, right? And we talked about accents and how sometimes you hear someone talking somewhere like, man, where are they from? Where are they from? I don't know that accent. Wouldn't it be awesome if you're just talking to a friend and someone says, excuse me, where are you from? Because I'm hearing a lot of grace and truth. And I don't really hear that much. Because I usually hear negativity. I usually hear criticism. I usually hear profanity. I usually hear, you know, off-color jokes. But you two, you just sort of have this grace and truth. And everything you're speaking is encouraging. And it's affirming. You know, pardon me for eavesdropping, but I felt better for eavesdropping. <laughs> right? Where are you from? And wouldn't it be awesome to say, well, you know, we're citizens of heaven. Philippians 3.20, right? Do, do our, does our conversation, does our accent reflect where we're from, according to the Bible? Citizens of heaven, right? Are we followers of Jesus, even in our language? And we've been trying to, trying to understand that. If you flip over your notes, we said last week, how do I speak with Jesus' accent, right? Let's turn to Luke 6, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke 6, 
starting in verse 43. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his what? Heart, his mouth speaks. And we saw last Sunday, last time, that, that if you were to listen to a recording of your own conversation, let's say you decided to walk around with a mic, and you played back your words that you spoke, right? You know, Pat, you got the little Fitbit pedometer that, that records all your steps. Well, if you had a little verbal right? <laughs> that recorded all your words and you played it back, what would your words reveal about your heart? Because the Bible is very clear. Out of the, your, the condition of your heart, your mouth speaks. Your mouth speaks. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. And, and it's really important. And, and, and as I was praying about how far we're going to move forward today, I felt like the Lord said, we've got to stay here. We've got to stay here and understand that what comes out of our mouth and really all the issues of our life flow out of where? Our heart. See, because Ephesians 4.29, here's my concern. It says, you know, let no corrupt communication flow out, but only what is good, right? So here's what traditionally many of us churchgoers do with that verse. It becomes to do and not to do. So, oh, I know what Ephesians 4.29 means. Don't say bad words. Say good words. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? We keep Ephesians 4.29 sort of at the surface level, and we start scorecard keeping all over again. And we, we in our own effort, and maybe with the best of intentions, there's nothing wrong with with conviction and starting to have an awareness of words. But here's my, my concern is that we translate or we understand Ephesians 4.29 is only a surface level thing, external dish thing, where as long as my, my bad words are less than all my good words, then I'm okay. And we go right back into legalism. We go right back into being the, the, the word police. And we completely miss the point because it says at the end of Ephesians 4.29 that it may impart what? Grace. See, if we're going to be ministers of grace, that takes it to the heart issue. That takes it to the heart issue. So it's way more, okay, Ephesians 4.29 is way more than a scorecard. Okay, how many bad words? How many, how many, how many off-color jokes did I tell today? Well, but, but I encourage ten people, and we start living the scale life again as a Christian. And then it becomes drudgery again. And then it becomes, oh, I'm such a horrible Christian because, you know, the scale went this way today. And, and we lose our joy. And we lose the whole point that it's a what issue? All right, point to it. Everyone point. Where, where, where does it begin? Here. Here, right? And if you look in your outline there, we said, how do, how do we speak with Jesus' accent? Well, it's be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let God's word dwell in you richly. Surround yourself with others who speak the accent you want. And I shared this example with you, and I wanted to start with it this morning to kind of try to bring this home, right? If this is your heart, this is my heart. 
and I have stuff going on in my life, and my heart isn't right with God. Luke 6 says it's going to be revealed. It's going to come out. It's going to come out. There was a season years and years ago when my kids were smaller, and I don't know exactly, I don't remember exactly what was going on in my life. It was stressful, and I was going under a lot. And how many of you remember that movie Tarzan? Remember Tarzan, and the, the animated one? And the, the big gorilla, right, Kerchak, who was like grouchy all the time? Well, I discovered that my nickname at the house had become Kerchak. Because when, when something would happen, and it's a great line, I would say, what happened? Right? I, I would say kind of like that. And I'm like, dude, that is Kerchak. Holy yeah, I'm talking like Kerchak. And I was Kerchak in the house. And my kids were like, hey, Kerchak's back. Hey, Kerchak's home. Shh. There's Kerchak, right? And, and, and I, had to, I had to stop and pause because I had to say, Lord, what's going on in my heart? Why am I barking like that? Why, what, 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 is, what, is, what am I struggling with? What am I angry about? What am I bitter about? What am I confused about that is manifesting itself in Kerchak? And it wasn't just me becoming like, okay, stop being Kerchak, stop being Kerchak. That's not it. it was like, Lord, deal with my heart. Deal with my heart first. And I had to work through that process of, of what's going on in my heart. And then the words and my behavior followed the heart. It follows. And so we saw last Sunday that, that it's not about, see, a lot of us, it's, even with the best of intentions as Christians, we like, the, we like looking good. We like looking good. That's nice, right? That, that, as long as we look good. We talked about wearing masks and how we wear masks. And sometimes as, as Christians, we, we focus on the outer. The outer. And yet, yet the inner can just be kind of black and gray but as long as the outer right and Jesus flips that through this and he says hey your words comes from what's inside and, and we saw you know what what do you got to do well you got to start you got to start it's called being filled with the spirit and being filled with the spirit is really about being controlled that word filling is control submission okay so he says hey Every day, every, all throughout the day, fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. And then he says in Colossians 3.16, Hey, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That word dwell means to take up residence. Not just be a visitor. Not just be a once a week visitor. You know, it's take up residence. So he says, hey, hey let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, right? Every day, meditate, memorize, read it, spend time with the Lord, study it, right? And then he says, hey, and then surround yourself with others. Who speak the same accent as you. And what happens when you focus on filling your heart with the right stuff? It changes. See? And that's the whole point of, of, of where I think the Lord wants us to kind of stay. Because a lot of us like this. A lot of us just like to look really good. And to work through this in this process called sanctification, this can be kind of tough. This can be uncomfortable. This can be scary. Because we're asking God to sort of open up our heart and reveal ourselves to us. And Lord, what's going on in me? Why do I talk like that? Lord, why do I handle my money like that? Lord, why do I deal with relationships like that? Lord, would you show me my heart? 
See, Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart, for out of your heart flow what? All the issues of life. It's not just your words. How you handle your money. How you behave in relationships. How you do your schoolwork. How you do your homework. How you do your uh, work at your work. How you take care of your body. Every issue in your life, the Bible says, flows out of your heart. Flows out of your heart. And God, I think, just wants to say, hey, what are you filling your heart with? What are you filling it up with? Right? Because if you fill it with the right things, the right fruit's going to be born, right? Bill has spent two months taking us through the fruit of the Spirit on Wednesday nights. Love, joy, peace, patience, right? All of that. And you see, we've learned over and over. Every week he said, look, you cannot create this fruit. Stop trying to create the fruit. The fruit is a fruit of the Spirit. Focus on the Spirit in you. Focus on submitting. Focus on obedience. And the fruit will be born. Right? Cindy, you got a lot of orange trees, right? Do you go out there in the backyard and say, Grow! Grow! Where's the fruit? Do you do that? No, right? But we do that to ourselves as believers. Where's the fruit? Grow! Right? To bear your, to get oranges, you just need to make sure the tree is healthy and the right stuff's going into it, right? It's the same thing with us as Christians. You've got to put the right stuff in. And here's the great thing. When you focus on, on the right filling, you get your joy back. Christianity becomes that relationship that you hear. You start walking with Jesus. You start, oh man, da-da-da. And something happens and you react completely differently than you ever have. You're like, who was that? How many have ever had a moment like that? You react completely different and you surprised yourself. How many of you ever surprised yourself as God has grown you, right? That's because you're filling yourself with the right stuff and new fruit is being born. That's the awesome thing. We don't go out to our fruit trees and yell at them. And you don't look in the mirror and yell at yourself. You've got to focus on the right things. Focus on what you're filling your heart with. And Jesus says in Luke 6, out of the overflow... Things will start to change. Isn't that awesome? For many of you, that should be Liberation Day. Whoo! See, why do we come to church? Because it's supposed to be part of the filling. Why do we encourage you to read your Bible and pray? It's filling. Why do we encourage you to get in small groups and get to know one another? It's just filling. All we're trying to do as shepherds and as pastors is to get you pointed in the right direction of what you need to be filling yourself with. Because we know if you're filling yourself with the right stuff, the fruit's going to follow. Amen? That's liberating. That's why when someone comes to me for counseling, if they're going through an issue, uh, most of the time for the very first few sessions I'm together, I am just ask question and question and question and I question. And, 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 and I just want to get an idea of what's going on because here's my, here's my point in all the questions. What's going on in this person's heart? Where is this person with the Lord? And I'm asking for discernment as I'm, as I'm getting to know someone because I'm trying to discern where their heart is. See, because I'm not, I'm not here just to make you all look pretty. 
I mean, we don't gather on, on Sunday mornings so that OBCF has the like, prettiest congregation in the valley. Or the best dressed. Everyone's like, <laughs> right? Okay. We're not here on Sunday mornings to look the best. We don't need to be the biggest, baddest anything in the valley. Amen? What we want to focus on in our times on Sundays and Wednesdays and in small groups and when we meet for coffee and all this stuff is making sure the right stuff is filling our hearts. Making sure the right stuff is filling our hearts. And that's the real question. And that's the real heart. And, and this came through a verse, even turning to Ephesians 4.15 as I was thinking about this. How can we make it not just be an external, you know, oh, I got a scorecard about my language. Let's turn to Ephesians 4, 15. And we'll start actually reading in verse 11 to give context. Ephesians 4, 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Right? So on your outline there, you're just going to ask, you know, when you study the Bible, how do I study the Bible? Well, let's just ask some questions of that passage. Right? So who? In that passage, who is, the, who, 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 who is he talking to? Who's it addressed to? Believers. Right? Believers. He's specifically to believers in Ephesus in general. He's speaking to Christians. Okay? So the audience is Christians. Right? What? If, if, and we're looking specifically at verse 15. Right? So let's look at 15, 415. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. What is the content? If you're speaking to Christians, what is the content of our speech supposed to be? The content. Truth. Yes. Truth. Right? Instead, right there, see that? Instead, speaking the what? Truth. So the content is the truth, the gospel. Right? Because before that, he's speaking against false teachers. So he's speaking in the context of that verse, believers, the content of our speech should be truth. The Bible, John 17, 17, says, Thy word is truth, right? 1 Timothy 3.15 says, The church is the pillar and foundation of truth. So, he's speaking to believers. The what, the content, is truth. What should be our attitude? Love. Love. Agape love. Right? So, he's speaking to believers. The content of our speech is, is truth. Our attitude, our demeanor as we speak truth is what? Love. Self-sacrificial love. It's agape love, supernatural love. You don't have to turn there. Let me read this to you. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, 
I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. So, as believers, the content of our speech is love, is is truth in love. All right? Remember when we talked about apologetics, we were also supposed to speak with gentleness, respect, right? Many, some people think that, that especially in our, in our culture, that truth and love are exclusive. It's not. Maturity, a mature believer is able to blend them. Is able to blend them, right? So, they're not mutually exclusive, right? So, we're supposed to speak the truth in love. Why? What's the goal? According to verse 15. Grow. Maturity. Right? Okay? Now, let me ask you this. Last question. When and where are we supposed to do this? Every day? All the time? We're supposed to speak the truth in love so that we all grow up, but we're supposed to be doing this when? All the time. All the time. See, this verse has sort of been overemphasized to a certain situation. So instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him. This is kind of how many of us learn that verse. Hey, Bill. No, you don't have to stand up because you have issues. Okay. Amen. And Bill... I've just got to speak the truth and love to you, brother. How many of us have heard that verse used like that? We're going to go confront somebody, but we're going to share in love. Right? And so we can use that verse, and if we're not careful, we only use it in a specific context when we have to confront someone. It is not a confront someone verse only. You're right, Diana, and they didn't... This speaking the truth in love is a 24-7 principle. Not only when Bill has issues, right? Now, that's true. If we're going to confront someone about sin in their life, we should speak the truth in love. But, but many of us have only used this verse in that context. When really, what you, if you're comfortable writing in your Bibles where it says speaking uh, the truth in love. Here's if you were going to um, literally write it out from the Greek, it would be truthing in love. Truthing. It's a very interesting word. So Ephesians 4.15 says that we are to be truthing in love. Truthing in love. Which means that our life and our words should match. It means not only do we speak the truth, we should be living the truth. So the, if you look on the front of your bulletin, what's the, what's the question of the day for the sermon title? Are you a truther? Are you a truther? Are you truthing in love? Meaning, does your life 
match the words that you speak? Are you a truther? That's what that means, right? Are we truthing in love? Another person said that, that we should, uh, uh, our words should have gracious candor. Right? We, should, we should be graciously honest. But before we speak any words of gracious candor, our lives should match it up. Right? How many of you have ever had someone come to you and try to share something and the first thing you thought was hypocrite? Anyone? Right? Do as I say, not as I do. Right? No. Ephesians 4.15 says, hey, you're to be a truther. Which means what you do needs to match what you say and then speak. Right? Actions speak a lot louder than words, right? Right? You ever hear that? Oh, so-and-so calls himself a Christian and so-and-so says all, they know all the Bible verses and they know all the songs, but I know how they live. Right? Because we tend to compartmentalize. Thank you for reminding me of that. Bill, that's okay. I'll share that. Bill, on Wednesday, I shared years ago that, that I set my chime, my hourly chime, so that every time it goes off, it's just, it just was a reminder of the presence of God. And so Bill shared on Wednesday, that's what he's doing. So his chime just went off. But throughout the day, I'm guessing at night too, um, it goes off and he just reminds me of the presence of God. You know, Truther. Are you a truther, right? You're like, whoa, that's heavy. That's impossible. In fact, John 15, 5, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So if you're like, I, I'm supposed to be a truther? I'm supposed to speak the truth in love 24-7? My, 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 my lifestyle is supposed to match my words? Who can do that on their own? No one. That's why you've got to focus on the right things. See, if you can admit, if you just say, Lord, I'm just going to admit on the front end. I can't. There's no way I'm going to do that. You're so far ahead of the game. Because then you stop trying. You stop trying. Ty, can I use you real quick? And I shared this before. This illustration, if you guys can get this in your relationship with the Lord, fill yourself up with the right stuff. Fill yourself up with the Holy Spirit. Fill yourself up with the Word of God. Fill yourself up with those around you, right? The other illustration I've used before, you can come all the way up. Pick the big, strong, handsome man. Sweet man. All right. Hold that up. Right? I've shared this with you before. If Tyler makes this great, passionate goal to hold this Bible up, is he succeeding? He is right now, right? But there's something acting on that. What is it? Gravity. The law of gravity. But right now, in his physical strength and with his desire and his will, he is overcoming the law of gravity, right? Okay. We're going to have donuts. We'll come back and check you on you, right? (laughs) What is going to happen? He's going to get tired. He's going to chew pill. Eventually, the law of gravity is going to win, right? Eventually, the law of gravity is going to win, even if his best desires, even if his best of intentions Right? The law of gravity is going to win. And then he's going to drop. You know, he'll drop. 
He'll get so tired, finally he'll just say, Ah, oh, I blew it. And he'll rest. And then he's going to make a great intention again and he's going to spring right back up. Oh, okay. He said, I got to say more good words than bad words. Okay. I'm going to do that today. More good words than bad words. More good words than bad words. See, in our life, it's not the law of gravity. It's the law of sin. It's our sinful nature. Romans 8. That's in us. And maybe for a time, maybe for a season, you're going to overcome that in your own will, in your own strength. But it's acting. And then he's good. Maybe, maybe he's good for Monday. But Tuesday, that co-worker pushes all the wrong buttons. And all his bad words just blah, came right back out. See, a lot of us live our Christian life like this in our own strength. We go up, best intentions, and we come down. Get exhausted. Go to church, go to church, go to church. I'm done. Read my Bible, read my Bible, read my Bible. I'm done. Right? What we're trying to understand through this, with the right feeling, especially with the Holy Spirit, of ourselves we can do nothing if we're going to be truthers. Okay? He's got to say, Lord, I can't do this on my own. He's like, okay. Okay. But see, he has to give me permission to be here. So if he asks for help, if he asks for help, I'll help. If he says I'm good, if he says I'm good, if he says I'm good, God, help, help, help. Okay, I'm here. I'm good. See, that's, that, that's that relationship with the Lord we're talking about. God wants us to be here, filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm here. Filled with His Word. I'm here. Around each other who will provoke you lovingly. I'm here. But you have this thing called free will. And anytime you say, see, that's, that, that, that's my heart. And that's why we're going to stay here for just a little bit to understand. We're going to be truthers. But we're going to be truthers not in our own effort, not in our own strength. Because left up to us, how many of us will fail eventually? If it's just left up, let's just admit that on the front end. Might be good for a little bit, but eventually we will lose. Because we cannot overcome the law of sin on our own. God has given us the Holy Spirit, the law of the Spirit of life, which gives us a new nature, new desire, new power. We still have to make the choice. We still have to obey. He's still holding that thing. But He's not doing it alone. That's what, that's what our heart is. If we're going to be ministers of grace in the valley, we can't do it on our own. We can't. Every morning you wake up and say, Lord, help. I can't. Right? For some of us, one of, some of the most freeing words that will ever come out of your mouth as a believer will be, I can't. I can't. Just admit it. I can't. And that's tough. I know for some of you, it's already your hair standing up on your neck. Ugh, I can't, but I can't. No, you can't. And you're gonna, you potentially are going to live this kind of life until finally you say uncle. Just say uncle. Just give it up and say I, say I can't and help. And walk with him. Walk with him. And focus. Thank you, Tyler. Focus on what you really need to be filled with. 
See, this is the trust part. So, Lord, if I, if I really focus on just what I'm supposed to be filled with, if I'm really just focusing on the Holy Spirit, focusing on the Word of Christ, fo- focusing on the gathering of the believers, if I'm focusing on that, you mean my life is going to change and be transformed? Yep. Isn't that awesome? That's why we do what we do. That's why we do what we do. Okay? Before we take communion, I, I came across this article, and, and I just wanted to share it because I think some of us will resonate uh, about focusing on the right things. There was this article in Biz- Business Insider last year. Uh, you know, Kobe Bryant has been uh, injured. But you know Kobe Bryant. How many of you are familiar with Kobe Bryant? One of the best basketball players ever, right? Clutch. If there's a last-second shot that needs to win the championship, give it to Kobe, right? Kobe Bryant, probably going to the Hall of Fame. I came across this article about Kobe Bryant, and they, they, they call it his insane work ethic, Right? In high school, he would show up to start practicing at 5 a.m. And then when practice was over, he wouldn't leave practice till 7 p.m. When he would, uh, in, in high school, he would challenge his teammates to play one-on-one games to 100. He used to practice by himself. As a Laker, he would practice by himself without a ball. In fact, if you know Shaquille O'Neal, he said, you'd walk in there and he'd be cutting and grunting and motioning like he was dribbling and shooting, except there was no ball. I thought it was weird, but I'm pretty sure it helped him. Kobe Bryant, he counts all of his made shots in practice and stops when he gets to 400. Right? He worked with Nike, with his shoe company, to shave a few millimeters off of his shoes so he could be a hundredth of a second faster in reaction time. There's a quote that says, Some players love to play when the lights are on. Kobe focuses on when the lights are off. So that when the lights are on, in the big game, in the heat of the moment, everything he did away from the crowd enables him to make the shot. See, as Christians, we got to focus on what we're doing when you're not here. You focus on the daily stuff, the disciplines. You go to the spiritual gym. And you're filling yourself up and you're filling yourself up. Why? When that moment comes out in public and you're caught off guard and some of the people are waiting to see how you're going to respond, you know what? Clutch. You do and you say what honors God in that moment and you know that it was simply because you put in all the work when no one else was looking. You guys understand that? A lot of us as Christians, they call it spur-of-the-moment Christianity. We don't do what we need to do discipline-wise. We're not filling ourselves up, and we sort of live spur-of-the-moment Christianity. Well, if something happens, I'm just believing the Lord's going to help me. He might. Or you might just fall on your face because you didn't do and you weren't ready for the moment. See, everything Kobe did since high school was preparing him for the moment. The moment. Everything we do as believers prepares us for the moments in our life. When situations come up and we need God and everything we've been doing, everything we've been filling ourselves with, what? Prepares us for that moment. And you walk in faith and you walk in obedience and God transforms you and you become a minister of grace. Why? Because of what you did when no one else was looking. Because of what you did when no one else was looking. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, 
Lord, we want to be as passionate about you, Jesus, as Colby is about basketball. We want to be that passionate. We want to do whatever we need to do in the quietness of our lives, the quietness of our heart. We want to be prepared, Lord, in the private times so that in the public world, we will be ministers of grace. So that in the public world, our words will match our lifestyle. We will be truthers. And yet, we're reminded that of ourselves, we can do nothing. We might succeed for a little bit, but as Tyler demonstrated, eventually, of ourselves, we will fail. So we need you. We admit this morning, we can't. We simply can't. And you know what it is in our lives that we can't do. It's everything. So we submit, we surrender, we cry for help. We need you. And Lord, if our focus has been off, if we've been focusing on the outside rather than the filling of our hearts, allow us to make the necessary changes. Empower us to do that. We want to be filled with the Spirit. We want to be filled with the Word. We want to be filled with people around us that encourage us, love us, point us to you. And it all begins with your grace. So as we prepare for communion, remind us again that it really comes all the way back to the cross as the starting point. Your amazing grace.